0: It was a text message three years ago. She had sent me a text message. I had replied, now I confess, I don't remember this, but apparently I had replied to her text message um, with brevity, which is not unusual for me. It was in response to an invitation and apparently because my response was so brief and because I didn't uh, provide her with an explanation for why I would not be attending whatever it was she was inviting me to. I had offended her in a text message three years ago. She has been carrying it around ever since, for three years. I didn't have any idea I had offended her, but she had been stewing and brewing and chewing on it for three years. That, my friend, is called picking up an offense, little things sometimes big things that other people do or don't do or do in a way that we didn't want them to do. And we get offended. We pick up an offense. We hold on to that offense and we carry it around with us. Now, let me just tell you, if you do that enough, you'll be carrying around so many offenses that you're going to lose your sense of joy. You're going to lose your sense of wonder. Those offenses that you pick up along the way are going to change your outlook. They're going to change your perspective. They're going to change the way you talk to people, your tone of voice, your treatment of others. You become a person other people don't really want to be with. Why? Because you carry around so many offenses that you actually become offensive. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day is the source of what Jesus points to as the second among all the commands of God second only to loving God, we are commanded to love our neighbors as ourselves. But do you know what the beginning of that verse says? The beginning of this verse from Leviticus 19, 18 actually holds the power as to how we live in such love toward others. And guess what? It's about not picking up offenses. Today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Leviticus 19, verse 18. Do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, friend, um, who has offended you? If you call anyone or anything to mind, um, then I'm going to encourage you today to let that go. Let it go in the spirit of the one um, who, while we were yet sinners, died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, God is uh, not holding people's sins against them, but instead reconciling the world to himself in Christ and then entrusting, entrusting us with the very message and ministry of reconciliation. God literally wants us to do unto others what he has done unto us in Christ. He wants us to be conduits of his forgiving and reconciling love, not reservoirs filled with all the wrongs ever done against us. Imagine what kind of person Jesus would have been if he had picked up all the offenses along the way and held each of our sins against us. Jesus took all those offenses and he died for them on the cross. So if you're collecting them and holding them against others, You're keeping against others what Jesus died to forgive them. So let's do unto others today the way God has done unto us in Christ. And let's not pick up offenses. Let's not hold grudges or seek revenge. Instead, let's love our neighbors. As in Christ Jesus, God has loved us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Mark Caleb Smith is going to join us next. We're going to talk about just how exhausted we are, all are, Just how exhausted we all are by the political rancor in our country today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Mark Caleb Smith is the dean of the School of Arts and Humanities at Cedarville University. Uh, He blogs at Bereans at the Gate. Oh, and we just like him a lot. Mark, welcome back.
1: Hey, Carmen, how are you
0: doing today? Good. Maybe your, your resume should lead with liked a lot by Mornings to Carmen.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey, likable is a good thing, I think, generally speaking. De-
0: deeply appreciated um, by, by us. All right. Thank so uh, the Pew Research Center is, um, is, is telling us something that I think we uh, instinctively know. And that is that most of us, 65% of us, say um, that we always or often feel exhausted when thinking about politics um what read us in a little bit on uh, what pew is telling us and then let's talk about a different view of things
1: oh goodness there's just so many places we can go with this because it's a uh, it's a massive report but the headlines are just absolutely I-, I think staggering when you see them in black and white but as you said in your intro maybe not all that surprising now that we think about it a little bit um According to to Pew, 65% of people say that they feel exhausted when they talk about or learn about politics. Um, 55% say they feel angry about politics. Um, And uh, to me, one of the more interesting findings, they asked people to choose a word to describe the politics in America. And 79% of the people who chose a word chose a negative word or critical word Um, And divisive and corrupt were the most popular words uh, that were chosen. Um, When they prompted people to give a positive explanation for what you appreciate about government or politics in America, a majority of people were either unable or unwilling to provide a positive word about American politics. And that's, I mean, as someone who teaches politics for a living, um, (laughs) that's uh, its all rather devastating in some level. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the it's the partisanism. It's the polarization. It's the it's the um, it's the sense that, you know, we, we could actually um, after the change in the dress code at the Senate, we could actually see, you know, uh, people in Washington dressed up like NASCAR drivers because it is money right. that puts them there and keeps them there. Um, and but at least then we would know um you know who is paying for that particular viewpoint i think that's part of it mark like we're it feels like yeah anyway we could dig around in all the negative how about you and i pivot how about we pivot and we say okay as christians we we might be living in the context of any political system In fact, there's people listening right now all over the world. So, not everybody listening is like, you know, captive to the American context or what's happening um, politically here. So, when we talk about being Christians and kingdom citizens, can you help us pivot our, uh, just, I mean, raise our eyes above, you know, the muck and mire of the day and set us as kingdom citizens with a different view?
1: I I mean, I hope I can, Um, and I I talk to people a lot about this very issue um, in public speaking and teaching and in a variety of other places, and I think if I had to boil it down, and there's a lot for us to jump off on with these two things, but I think we have a horizontal issue when it comes to politics as believers, and that's how do we view other people, and then we have a vertical issue when it comes to politics, and that's how do we view God. Mm-hmm. Um, because to me, a lot of this really stems from, um, maybe politics is a God before God. Maybe we have an idol of politics, which suggests we have a problem with loving God. Um, maybe we don't trust his promises and we don't trust, uh, the, his word that he tells us. Maybe we don't trust his sovereignty. Um, and when we apply, when we don't trust his sovereignty and we don't trust his word, Uh, then those things aren't grounding our approach to politics Mm. and they should. And so I think there's a serious vertical issue here um, that then begets this horizontal problem where we start to just view other people as sort of political pawns and not as, uh, you know, people created in the image of God, fellow human beings who are in need of God's grace. Um, And I think, again, I'm not suggesting those are easy things to do, but I think that's the root of it. Uh, I think our I, I think you put it very well. Our eyes are too low for politics. We're looking in the wrong place. Um, and I know that sounds counterintuitive because politics is a here and now thing for the most part. Uh, but even though it's a here and now thing, we should have our eyes on God as we engage in it.
0: The vertical love of God, translated horizontally, is one of the ways that I learned to understand what was happening. Uh, at the cross of Jesus Christ. And yes. so this vertical and horizontal conversation is a good one. And which, um, which one of those things is influencing the other, I think is part of what you're talking about. And so let's continue this conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith in just a moment. You have this horizontal view of things, right? Like on this on this plane, on this level in temporal reality, as you look around in the country in which you live, there's all kinds of horizontal relationships, like you on the flat surface with everybody else. There's also the reality of God um, outside of, but influencing all that is happening here and now, but with a perspective that is eternal and kingdom focused, big K. So we're going to talk about translating the vertical love of God into our horizontal relationships and how those perspectives Um, influence our life as people in political systems today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to
1: 41224.
0: Continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. You can find him at Cedarville University. Um, Mark, you said there was a, a second thing. We've got this horizontal vertical issue. Um, what's the second thing? Or maybe that is the two things, the horizontal and the vertical
1: those are the two things, but I think they spill into <laughs> lots, of, lots of different areas, you know, in terms of where do you get your information from, how, mm. where's your identity is a real question that's connected to these things. I mean, there are lots of places that those two implications go, I think.
0: Okay, I like that. Um, let's talk about the identity conversation, and then let's talk about the sources of information uh, conversation. Yeah, I
1: yeah, I think identity is is really crucial. You know, you, people like uh, you and I have been talking about identity and identity politics for a long time. Um, and we used to see this as a phenomenon of the left. You know, they would focus on race and gender, and they would use that to drive their political discussion. I think we're seeing it show up on the right now as well. Um, and our identity, either our, our class identity, you know, I'm a blue collar worker sort of person. Or maybe I'm a country music lover, and I have a particular identity and a cultural understanding of myself. Uh, or maybe it's a religious identity, and I view myself from this perspective of being a Christian. Um, and, but those uh, the identity question, I think, becomes important because um, our partisan identity, I think, is tending to overwhelm other identities. And so uh, instead of seeing ourselves as children of God, as believers, and that's our fundamental identity— We're seeing ourselves as Republicans or Democrats, and that's overwhelming our sense of identity in God and Christ. And that gives you all sorts of justification to uh, pay too much attention to politics, to treat other people uh, inhumanely sometimes, to have very negative views of them, and then also, of course, to engage in a kind of idolatry uh, when it comes to the political system itself. So, I mean, I think to some degree this is really a discussion about – where do you see yourself first? You know, who are you? And I think for an increasing number of Americans, they have a political answer to that question first. And I yeah. think that's what leads them to exhaustion. That's what leads them to other things as well.
0: Yeah, maybe as Christians, we need to start cultivating um, answers to common questions. And so, you know, like where, where do you live and what do you do? Um, maybe we just ought to start answering from a kingdom perspective. Um, Mm. you know, like, you know, who are you and what do you do? Or, you know, where are you from and what do you do? You know, I'm, I'm an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Um, uh, my, you know, my heart is actually in a, in a far off land, um, you know, in a city not built by hands. I mean, maybe we start, we should just start sounding like crazy people a little bit so that we win, so that we like re, re re-win an opportunity to even talk to people um, about eternal things. I mean, if I started describing myself first as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and an ambassador um, of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world, if I introduced myself as a minister of reconciliation or an agent of grace or a missionary or a co-heir with Christ, I mean, what if we just started introducing ourselves um, in those ways instead of, with all the things that the world expects us to frankly, you know, put at the lead when we are being introduced or um, or introducing ourselves to others.
1: You know, Carmen, if you start using that kind of language, you're gonna sound like the early church. You know, see, I think that's are, a good thing. You're, you're a disciple of Christ and you're a proponent of the way. Well, what's Amen. the way? Oh, I'm a yeah. proponent there you of the
0: way I'm adding that to my list. Yeah. I'm a proponent of the way.
1: And so it's, Mm -hmm. I I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. Um, How we identify ourselves has to be an important part of this discussion for too many of us. It's just a knee jerk, political, ideological, cultural definition, and not this more fundamental reality of who we are. Um, The other thing I was going to touch on quickly, I think the kind of information you take in affects the way that you view horizontal reality. And so... If you're getting your information from social media, if you're getting it from very biased or partisan or ideologically driven sources, you're going to have a very um, limited view of what that horizontal world looks like and what those relationships should look like as well. And so I think as kingdom citizens, we need to think hard about absorbing good quality information so that we have a reasonable understanding of God's creation and current reality Too many of us have, I think, a skewed understanding, which then drives a lot of this behavior.
0: So I had a conversation um, with a young person recently about this topic, and I was aware that she was getting her information, obviously, from different sources than I was getting mine. And I tried to help her see that um, depending on where we were turning for our information, Um. Certain things were being brought into the foreground of what she could see and other things were being sort of pushed and blurred into the background. And so just in talking about like um, a camera lens and, you know, like if you if you keep widening it so that something something's become big or are brought into the foreground and then talking about filters that are on her phone that she can blur the background in lots of things. I said, that's what's happening when you are relying on these sources of information, they are bringing things into the foreground for you to see and they're making them really big and they are obscuring and blurring everything else. And I am looking at these sources of information and they are actually bringing forward, bringing to the foreground, highlighting, making really big, things that are way blurry and in the background of what you're looking at. And so we got to find a way to to see all of that, like to recognize that people who are supplying us with information, they are they have an agenda like they're doing it for, you know, they're trying to make certain things big to us. And that was a, um, a good place for she and I to then be able to sit on the same side of the table and evaluate information as opposed to sitting on opposite sides of a table fighting about what we should be what we actually, you know, should be even looking at. So that's I don't a, know if that might be helpful to you yeah. going forward as well.
1: Absolutely. That's a great analogy. Um, I hadn't thought about it in those terms before whatsoever. So that's a, that's a really good handle into the conversation. That's excellent.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Any time I can serve you, uh, I feel like my, my day has, uh, has it's already been well spent and it's super early. So there you go. Given, giving myself a smiley face today from the professor.
1: Always deserved, Carmen.
0: Mm, So good. That's Dr. Mark Caleb Smith. We love talking with you. Thank you so much. Have a great day at school today. He is the dean of the School of Arts and Humanities at Cedarville University. Um, Today, though, we're foregrounding the reality that he's a child of God, a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, an ambassador, a follower of of Christ. Um, He identifies with Jesus. He's a proponent of the way. We're going to celebrate those things about Mark as our brother in Christ today. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. God never gives up on you. You are precious. You are valuable. You are seen. I want you to hear that today. I want you to uh, to know that today. All right. I have one um, little interesting uh, tidbit of news for you here. Um, so you're familiar with uh, artificial intelligence and there's, you know, open AI. We've talked about it. Chat GPT is one um, open AI resource out there. And so these are like they're called large learning language models, large language learning models. Anyway, they have to they have to learn stuff in order to be able to then have something to rely on. Um, You know, they're not creating ex nihilo like God. They are creating out of resources that that they have been supplied to them. So what has been supplied to them is all kinds of material that's out there. Um, in fact, everything that the internet knew, like prior to 2021, is has been loaded in to these large language learning models that we call OpenAI. Well, it won't surprise you that much of what was fed into them is copyrighted material. Well, now a group of fiction writers has joined the Authors Guild in filing a class action lawsuit against OpenAI. This happened uh, in, in federal court. Um, and this is a uh, that what they're saying is that um, OpenAI, which is actually the company behind ChatGPT, um, that OpenAI is copying their works in an act of flagrant and harmful copyright infringement by feeding those, their manuscripts into algorithms that then train the system on how to create more human-like text responses. All right, do you know what the primary but the primary resource is that's, that's loaded in? Particularly when you talk about um, this being available in languages other than English. You got any idea? What is the primary text that's been loaded in? Yeah, it's the Bible. So I wonder if God could get in on this uh, conversation here. Um, these famous authors, George uh, R. R. Martin, um, uh, others, I mean, there's people in this list that, whose names you would recognize. You know, if God, as the author of of the Old and New Testaments, um, would, could be party to this? Do you think that he would, or do you think that he'd just be really glad that people are learning his word, um, and they're learning to speak in the way that he speaks and in his tone of voice and, um, and learning his commands? Yeah. God would not get in on a lawsuit, uh, about the Bible being loaded into, um, into a program where, um, human beings could learn to think and talk like him. (laughs) He'd like that very much. Um. All right. So Ruth Cho Simons is uh, is an author. She's also an artist. She has a beautiful new book called Pilgrim. This is when I uh, I cue up my brother Paul to um to greet to greet the pilgrims. Hello, pilgrim. <laughs> Don't you love Don't that? Don't like that? <laughs> yes, totally. Just like that. Thank you so much. <laughs> no problem. Uh-huh. Um. Pilgrim: Twenty-five ways God's character leads us forward. We do have copies to give away. So, um, if you love beautiful books and if you would like um, like to understand how God's character can influence your pilgrim journey, text the word "book" to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Ruth Cho Simons will be up right after the news. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. really fun to have Ruth Cho Simons back today. Her brand new book, Pilgrim, 25 Ways God's Character Leads Us Forward. This is a beautiful, like it's actually beautiful. The artwork is beautiful. Um, It's a beautiful devotional, um, the 25-day pilgrim journey that will help you explore God's character and faithfulness in your life. Ruth, welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks so much for having me. Let's just start with um well first of all, it's beautiful. Thank you for the thank beauty you. of the book. Like I love that. I um you also and we'll get to this in a minute, you also include a hymn for every day on the journey and I do. love that. Um do you so we'll get love to that hymns? in a minute. <laughs> I do. I do. I
2: love hymns. Oh my goodness. Yes.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I can start singing them just with a little like, you know, crowning with many crowns. Well, there I just go. I could just sail off yep. on that or yeah. So Me um too. so yeah, so thank you so much. It's really fun let's start with pilgrim. What does it mean to be a pilgrim? And then what is my pilgrim journey? Yeah. You know,
2: um, I think a lot of us try so hard to make this life and this world our home. We try so hard to, you know, get our perfect house, perfect job, career, um, you know, get our children behaving just right, so so that somehow we'll just feel settled and at home. And no matter how hard I try, um, I know that this is not my home. I can tell that this is never going to satisfy. And a pilgrim is somebody who is traveling through a foreign land, getting to a destination that is um, sometimes sacred, sometimes holy, sometimes very much their true home. And so when I think of Um, the heart behind this devotional, it's that on our pilgrim journey, so as we're traversing these unknown lands and paths and all these areas of our lives that feel maybe hard and um, unknown and difficult for us to navigate, that while we think we're trying to figure out how to get where we're trying to go, God's actually trying to get a hold of our hearts so that we see that he's going with us, that he's walking with us in our pilgrim journey, that he's actually drawing us to himself because he's our true home. And so that's um, a the overall mindset and the heart behind the message of the book is that ultimately God wants us to know his heart and that we cannot find home here. We need to find our home with him.
0: So we've got copies to give away. I know you're uh you're thinking right now, I'd love to have a copy of uh of Pilgrim Twenty Five Ways God's Character Leads Us Forward. Um we are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Um, Ruth, um twenty-five days. I mean, you know, I don't know. That seems like a bit of an odd number. Well,
2: I don't think of them as 25 days. Actually, (laughs) I create my devotional so that you might take a whole lot longer. So Mm -hmm. when you flip through it, the reason why I paint artwork and mostly it's in watercolor, why I paint alongside. It really is an art book with some words. Well, thank you. I I appreciate you saying that because I really do write the book and paint the book. It's like two entire processes, but um, you know, I don't really think of it as a 25 day journey the way sometimes we think of, I'm going to do this a little bit every day. I think of this as a, like a long marinating, like a, like a, Mm. just to really like take the time to linger in the concepts. Mm. So, you know, for me, I don't try to be so utilitarian about it as to be like, If in five minutes a day, you can figure out who God is and how we can walk with him. That's really not the heartbeat of it. This is more like, I hope this feels like an invitation to just leave it out on your coffee table, on your kitchen counter, or just to have it beautifully set by your bedside table so that you might have this like constant drawing, like a constant invitation to just know him a little bit more. So if it takes you two or three weeks to make your way through one of these, that's okay. It's not that they're long to read, but they might be thoughts and concepts. There's ways to engage it visually. There's ways to engage it through um, definitions and um, concepts. And there's also just the devotional reading that helps you kind of process it. And my heart's that that would be the beginning, that in each of these 25, you'd go to the word of God and actually spend a lot of time reading what God
0: has to say about himself. Yeah, getting to know the character of God and then being drawn um, unto Him. I love the use of hymns. Let's talk about that next. Um, but if you're listening right now and you're you're hearing me say this is a be- like a beautiful book. The art is it's beautiful. It draws you in. Um, the words are an entry point to your conversation with the Lord about Himself um, and about your journey as His child. Living, yes, in the midst of this world, but ultimately um, finding your home in Him. So if that's something that you think you would like to have a copy of, text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Um, I'm looking here just uh, very, very early on. We're just beginning our journey, and we're going to talk about the love of God. And um, in addition to lifting up the Word of God, you lift up this, um, this portion of a hymn. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The wandering child is reconciled by God's beloved son. The aching soul again made whole and priceless, pardon, one. How does God still seem distant when you consider the distance he went to rescue you? Like you're inviting us into a consideration of the words and to think differently about our relationship with God, if we really take to heart what this hymn writer says. Um, talk yeah. talk with us about the inclusion of these hymns in this um, Pilgrim Journey experience. Yeah. When I was a very
2: young believer in eighth grade, um, I was invited to be the church accompanist because they didn't have anybody else in our little small church plant. And so I started learning how to play hymns. And at first it was a it just felt a little you know, difficult. I didn't know anything about church accompanying. But in years, years later, I find myself in college going through something that I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know how to weather this trial or I'm not sure who I am. I'm struggling with all the big decisions in your early 20s. And lyrics from hymns would come surfacing to my mind, almost in the way that um, you realize if you memorize scripture They just become part of what comes to your mind when you're struggling with things. And so it made me realize how much if you're rehearsing words that are true, if you're rehearsing, and especially if they're set to melody, if you're rehearsing words that are true, then you're really doing what the psalmist does in the book of Psalms, because that's the songbook, right, of the Christian Mm -hmm. faith, that the psalms Mm -hmm. are. And the psalmist preaches to himself with song, the Psalms of hope and honesty and lament and all those things. And the hymns, even if our generation um, may not remember, or some of our generation might be like, wow, I've never read those lyrics. But um, you can actually find versions of them um, remade a lot of times with the Gettys or City of Light or Shade and Chain, Lots of wonderful, wonderful um, worship leaders are doing beautiful renditions. But I find that if we go back to words that were hard won and rooted in scripture, then in addition to reading God's word, we actually have a soundtrack and like music that's going in the back of our minds that will inform us how to feel, how to think,
0: and how to respond when life gets really hard. We're talking with Ruth Cho Simons, um, her brand new book, Pilgrim. And we're giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484 to enter that drawing. More to come on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at myfaithradio.com. Dot com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners. Well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Ruth Cho Simons, you can connect with Ruth at her website, um, Ruth, traditional spelling, and then C-H-O-U, Simons, S-I-M-O-N-S, dot com, Um, We are talking about her book, Pilgrim. It has 25 entries. We're going to not necessarily talk about it as 25 days, but 25 ways that God's character leads us onward. Where are you? In your journey with God, um have you begun the journey? If not, uh, there is beginning journey invitation for you. And then for those of us that uh, may be further along the journey, the second part of the book is about the long endurance. So Ruth, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the long endurance section of the journey um. Maybe uh, maybe focus on, I love entry 11, blessings without end. Talk, talk with us about the reality of blessings without end and then take us into the doxology.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of times when we are just on that part of our path, and I mean, I'm talking about it metaphorically, but really just when we're on a path that's just you can't see the end in sight. And it just feels like, oh my goodness, I am exhausted. I feel weary. I'm not sure if what I'm doing matters. I think that when I think of the long endurance, I think about um whether it's um symbolically or literally that middle, like that messy middle of our lives where we're just really trying to be faithful in all the things that we have to do, whether it's parenting or um building a career or taking care of parents or just trying to figure out how to live this one life faithfully. The the one that you're pointing to, um, I I chose the doxology and talked about the goodness of God because the only way I've known and when I see the pattern over and over again in scripture is that when we are weak and when we are exhausted, when we think we don't have what it takes, if we turn our eyes to the goodness of God, how faithful he is, it changes our perspective and it causes us to suddenly recognize that, oh my goodness, all abundance comes from him. I don't have to work for that abundance. I don't have to feel like this journey is so exhausting because it's all up to me. I start leaning on Christ and on the character of God than I more than I do myself in what I have to offer.
0: That's so good. I uh, I love the doxology. I hope that even as Ruth and I are Referring to um things like the doxology, like in your heart and mind, you're singing, you know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Am I recognizing that in my life today? Do I count my blessings? Do I recognize that um the Father of Lights is the one from whom every single one of those blessings flows into my life, and then I'm supposed to be a conduit of those blessings into the lives of others. Um, you know are you um are you acknowledging who you are as a creature and him as creator? and praising Him above all others, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. That's our invitation to you today as fellow pilgrims uh, on this journey. Ruth Cho Simons and I are talking about her book, and we're giving away copies today. It's Pilgrim, 25 Ways God's Character Leads Us Onward. You can enter the drawing by texting the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. Ruth, um, let's jump into the third portion of the book, which is Nearing Home. Um, we could go all the way home to the arriving home, to the glory of God. Uh, I I'm not sure that if you are unfamiliar with the character of God and you're not super excited about heaven, that mm. spending eternity glorifying God is necessarily what you want to do. But that is the right way to think and feel.
2: Well, and my prayer is that If you choose to join me on this journey with this devotional pilgrim, that by the time you get to the 25th reading, that your heart would like somehow physically just grow larger with the love of God and that you would truly just actually want to and long to be with him. Because I think the more you know who your savior is and how much he longs to draw you to him, the more you realize, oh, I know I know where I'm going. I know what this is all about. I have purpose, not just because I landed the perfect job or because somebody else tells me that I'm wonderful or how many followers I have on social media. Because God tells me I'm worthy because of Him. Be- and then we spend all this time talking about His character. So in the third section, when we're talking about nearing home, and of course, I'm I'm really giving a nod to even Pilgrim's Progress, that very mm-hmm. um, you know iconic historic. Um, piece of work in Christian literature. And, and we're talking about this idea that this journey is a metaphor for even our walks with Christ. And But nearing home is recognizing like everything, everything I have to offer and everything I do in this lifetime is actually not really about securing more in this life, but it's actually ultimately about what I was meant to do as a Christ follower, image bearer, as somebody who's created to be in fellowship with God. So if you're new to the faith or this all sounds really new to you, this is not somehow like, wow, the things that you're doing right now doesn't matter for this life. No, it, it absolutely does. But that our true purpose isn't grounded in what you can accomplish today, tomorrow, or next week. It's the the significance is grounded in the fact that you were made for a purpose on purpose, by a very purposeful God who has a plan as he leads you throughout your life. And my desire is that as we get to the end of this devotional, we start seeing that he's always been worthy. He's always the one that we can look to. And that even ultimately when we have like, when we're with him in heaven and we're in his presence, that um, we'll really see that he's been with us
0: all along the whole way all the way home. Mm. It's a book written to you, fellow pilgrim, and um, Ruth uses phrases to draw us in and um portions of songs that we sing in our hearts and in our minds, um and obviously passages of scripture that not only reveal the character of God but um draw us unto him toward home. It's written, to my fellow pilgrims, his grace has brought us safe thus far, and his grace will lead us home. If you're looking for a journey partner in this portion of um, your pilgrimage, as a follower of Christ, let me commend to you Pilgrim, 25 Ways God's Character Leads Us Onward. Ruth, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Carmen. Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you want to enter the drawing for the book we're giving away today, text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. So the United Nations is in session right now in the city of New York. So I want you to be praying with me for the meeting of the UN. Yesterday... President uh, Vladimir Zelensky of Ukraine gave a very impassioned speech um It's worth listening to. This is a person who, if you recall, was you know offered a ride out um, when Russia invaded his country, and he turned to the world and said. I don't want to ride out. I, you know, I want your help. I want, I want you to stand with us and help us stand against this invasion. So yesterday in his speech, he, he just straight up accused the United Nations of, um, of having failed to prevent the aggression of one of its own permanent members. Remember, Russia is a permanent member of the United Nations Security Council. Like, it's a, it's, it has not just a seat at the table, but a commanding presence. And um, Zelensky accused Russia of committing criminal and unprovoked aggression. Um, and at one point, uh, Zelensky, you know, comes face to face with Vladimir Putin's ambassador to the UN. Um, so he told, and, you know, in a, In a special meeting of the UN Security Council, um, he, you know, he said it's uh, Russia has violated the norms of the UN Charter um, and the norms of war and the norms of neighbors. And he called for a reform of the General Assembly. He called for a reform of the Security Council um, and he called for the United Nations to end, to bring an end to Russia's war on his country. Um, so, um, and then he said, it's impossible to stop the war because, um, efforts to do so are being vetoed by the aggressor himself. And there he's referring to efforts at the, at the General Assembly of the United Nations, um, where Russia has a veto power on the Security Council. So I want to juxtapose that this morning with the vision in Revelation 21, um, because Zelensky is calling for the UN to bring an end to war. And although this war in Ukraine will end, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know how many more people will have to die and how much more property will have to be destroyed and how much more um, money spent, but it will end. Wars end. Um, but one day, all wars will end. And it's not going to be dependent on an effort by the United Nations. So let me read the vision from Revelation 21, 1 to 4, as we pray for the cessation of wars um, here and now. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, mourning, crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That is the vision in Revelation 21. That day is coming. That day is coming. The day when there will be no cause for tears. There will be no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain. For the old order of things will have passed away. We are living now in the old order. This day is the old order. But that day is coming. So I want to encourage you to live and pray today on this day in view of that day. Pray today for the people of Ukraine and their efforts to live peaceably um, with a neighbor who is hostile toward them. On this day, let us pray for peace. Let us pray for people to have their daily bread. And let us do so in view of and in light of that day, because that day is coming when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Next week, we are going to be talking a lot about this day and that day. It's our fall fundraiser. And I would invite you now to be praying with and for us as we prepare to bring forward um, the stories of those who have been impacted by this ministry. And maybe you're saying to yourself, I've been impacted by this ministry. I love Faith Radio. I would like to share my Faith Radio story and encourage others to give. You can do that uh, right now at MyFaithRadio.com. We'd love to hear your Faith Radio story um, and use it to encourage others next week during our fall fundraiser. Um, I'm looking forward to next week um, on this day in view of that day. We've got another hour together next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support